This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I guess it's a little bit of a midday grind reunion. It was Martin and Marlo, I think, during the pandemic, right? Didn't we tape a lot of stuff? Everything we've tried, Chuck, has been really good, and then it just fades into the uh, ozone, just disappears. But now you, you sort of live on the internet. You're everywhere. You're breaking down politics. You're breaking down crew chief changes. I can't keep up with you. You're kind of on the radio, but you're not. You've got kids. What have you been doing, buddy? Great to see you, Martin. Great to be here on whatever this show is. Yeah. This just, this just reminded me of when you have a guest on the radio and you say, and joining us now, instead of like the token, how are we doing? They're like, great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You just start in with a question and you say, hey, let's talk about this game tonight. You've been covering this team for a long time. And then they start with, hey, thanks for having me. Great to be on your show. Yeah, about that. So I never know which mm-hmm. way to go. Hey, how are you? Charlie, how are you? Good to see you. Okay, it's funny you say that. Now I'll, I'll, I'll change topics. So we have this political podcast with Eric Messersmith, who you know, great guy, lives out there in L.A. And I usually start the show with just a hello. And this is really inside baseball. But YouTube is all about hitting the hole. So people would rather just have an immediate topic than the minute of, hey, how are you doing and all that? So it's kind of funny. Yesterday, I was going to have the opener just be, how you doing? We were talking about Mitch McConnell. I did two questions in one, which you're not supposed to do. And then Eric kind of said, hello. And then he talked about Mitch McConnell for 10 straight minutes. So he he answered both for 10 minutes. And I asked both, which is bad, but I guess it worked maybe. So the hello has been taken care of. It's a Martin Marlowe midday grind. The reason I texted you yesterday, I saw that Richard Lewis news, and I was stunned because our family's been watching Curb Your Enthusiasm lately, right? With all the Larry David and his buddy Richard Lewis. I didn't watch it the other night, but apparently they were joking about him leaving Larry in his will. Now, granted, that was probably recorded, what, like a year ago? I mean, it's probably not recent. I had no idea it was sick, but the first thing I thought of he was supposed to be on the show with us. He follows you on Twitter. You messaged him. We were going to talk Buckeyes. He's an Ohio. Richard Lewis doesn't feel like an Ohio State guy to me. Feels like you'd go somewhere on the East Coast. But he didn't he write you back and say, oh, I'm working on some stuff with Curb right now. Let's do it down the road. And by gum, we never had him. I know. You want me to read it for you? Because when you texted me yesterday, I didn't even know about the news, which obviously sucks. But then I had to go way back. So this was, and by the way, I think, look, I'm not that funny of a guy. He's a professional comedian. Was I think it had to be me tweeting about the Buckeyes over the years that somehow he started following me. So this was February 25th, 2017. I say, hi, Richard. Figured I'd give it a shot and reach out since we follow each other. I have a sports talk radio show in St. Louis from 12 to 3 Central, Monday through Friday. Would love to have you on sometime to talk sports, curb, comedy, whatever. Let me know if you're interested. Thanks. He replies, I think I'll wait, bro, till curb is closer to premiere. Doing some more acting now. Thanks. 
So I follow up then November 30th. I think this is pretty good. I asked him. He said no. So I waited, what, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. I mean, I waited nine months to follow up again. And I asked him again, and he said, he called me C. I like to see. I'm on tour and overloaded for now. Please understand. Richard Lewis. I said, no worries. All good. I've been enjoying Curb. Thanks. And I ended it there. See, if I was one of these people that just, I would keep bugging him until he came on. I asked him once. He said no. And he was very polite. And then I waited nine months, asked again. And then I never corresponded again with him. But he was very nice. And I was a big fan. I think Curb is probably my my favorite show of all time. Certainly my favorite comedy. And it's got staying power. It's been on for, what, almost 20 years. I know they take breaks. But Huge fan of that show and his work. And I always thought he and Larry's dynamic was great together. I've also kind of dove into the behind the scenes of Curb, where Larry will talk about how they script the show with an outline, but they don't really have a script. And he said that Richard was the one guy that would always want to know the script so he could kind of come in with some some pre-written jokes, with uh, which Larry didn't like. So I thought that dynamic was funny. And then also, you've seen some of these clips. What I love about Curb is when they are improving and ad-libbing, and they genuinely make each other laugh. And you can tell some of the exchanges between Larry and Richard Lewis where they're kind of going off the cuff, and, and you can tell their laughter is genuine. That's what I find really interesting. I go back to Richard Lewis being on Letterman. Like when I was a kid, and you would look, I think you would look in the paper, and it would list who was on that night, like on Letterman's show. And if it was Jerry Seinfeld or Jay Leno or Richard Lewis, like those young comedians, you would tune in to see them because they always brought something. And this is, it's kind of like the Jim Rome, have a take, don't suck. When you have a guest on your podcast, your radio, you hate it if they mail it in. And those guys would always show up. Leno was great at that too. I wasn't as big a fan later on, but when he would come on Letterman, he always had a, a bit, he was funny. And Richard would always just like torment with Dave. I got to find some of those clips. I could spend all day doing this. But he would do stuff like, Dave, get get the camera. I don't want to look at the camera. I don't want to be seen. And Dave was like, well, it's kind of tricky. We, we're a TV show. We need a camera. And like, I just loved Richard Lewis back then. He was so neurotic. He was Woody Allen, but funnier. You know, I like Woody Allen, but I, he wasn't overly funny. He was a great movie maker, filmmaker, whatever. But like Richard Lewis had that same kind of neurotic vibe. And uh, I, I just, I didn't know he was sick. I guess he had Parkinson's, right? Is that recently Parkinson's thing had a heart attack? Larry's comment yesterday that I read, he said Richard Lewis had the ability to be the funniest guy in the room and the sweetest. And he said, but now he broke, now he, he said, now you've made me cry and I will never forgive you. And it sounded like Larry was like genuinely mad and what sounds like something Larry would say, but also maybe some real emotion. Like you can't picture Larry David being sad, can you? You can't picture him like at a funeral for Richard Lewis. I picture Larry, instead of sobbing, missing his friend, I picture him saying, why are they parking the cars over there? They shouldn't be parked. Like, I, can you imagine him actually being normal and serious? Well, it's funny you say that because I actually thought of that same thing when I, I heard the news and I saw that same quote that you're talking about. And obviously this is the last season of Curb. Now, you never know. Could, could they come back? And I think this is something, even though it's a death and it's very sad. I mean, these are comedians and their life was humor. T to me, I mean, the perfect way would, 
I don't know if you have to do a whole nother season, but like, I feel like Larry David could perfectly do an episode of Curb based on Richard Lewis actually dying and having the funeral. And that could be a story arc. And it would be a great way to show and pay tribute to Richard Lewis, but also be really funny, which you'd think, look, Richard Lewis would probably want it that way, right? Yeah, I could see that too. I, I, I don't, I mean, the fact that the show's over or is ending, I'm like, why? They would just, they could come back in five years and say it's still, yeah. it debuted in 2000. It's been on for 24 years, but it doesn't feel like it's really been on that long because they would just disappear. When it first got going, my dad liked Seinfeld, but my dad was really picky about comedy. And, you know, like, you know, you and I always talk about who do we like in media and in the other. Oh, Martin hates everybody, hates everybody. I think I got that from my dad because he, he didn't like any media, but he liked Seinfeld. So I went out to his house in Denver and I bought the box set of Kirby Enthusiasm, like the first box set they put out. And Kim and I were out there, my wife now dating then, we went skiing for the weekend. So I said to my dad, oh, this is great. I got you this box set of Larry David. So we come back after the weekend and we're going to the airport and he gives it back to me. And he said, I just can't do it. He said, it made me so uncomfortable. And I'm like, I think some people are that way with Larry David. that It makes them uncomfortable, which reminds me of, and you would have probably been there. It was a Rams pregame show. This is 2008, Glory Days. Well, you really came in during the Glory Days. You think about how far oh, yeah. you came in. LaRusso was still the manager. The Rams mm-hmm. were still here. Linehan was the head coach. This is a while ago. Mm-hmm. But during that 2008 season, at some point, Chip and Lucian, you know, the owners, were Georgia's kids. And Chip Rosenblum is real big on the environment, activist, and he's a filmmaker. Somehow they got word to us that they wanted – Larry David's wife on the pregame show. She was in town promoting a movie about the environment. It, we got to find the footage. Jober, our great producer, David Joe, probably has it somewhere on a VHS. On the Rams pregame show was Larry David's wife in real life and RFK Jr., the guy running for president. Really? 100%. Because I remember I got emails that week, people pissed off, like, because it was about the environment. So all these people were mad. And they said, what are you doing on a sports show, Kilborn? You're putting these wackos from California on your show. You should be talking football. And I'm like, listen, asshat, the team's 2-10. and ten. Like, who cares? Who cares? But in the interview, I remember we, remember we would always have the desk. Nowadays, everybody mm-hmm. just, like you and I, are sitting on a Zoom. Or like A.J. Hawk always looks like a prisoner of war on that McAfee show. But back then, we actually had a set. Remember, we'd have that giant table. They would roll it out mm-hmm. there. God bless our engineers. But sitting on that set, I remember saying to Larry David's wife, I got to ask, you know, because I'm like, you are here and uh, you're married to Larry David. And I said, he seemed pretty, pretty weird. And she said, you have no idea. She said, he's exactly like the show in real life. And I think that's that's probably true. Like, it's as uncomfortable as it made my dad. And sometimes even watching, I love it. But sometimes I get uncomfortable with the topics or the situation. Uh, that's 100% who he was. By the way, RFK Jr. So I interviewed him both after for TV. And RFK has that horrible voice. I don't know what it is. Like, oh, I can't imitate it. But off to the side, we're doing the interview. And I said, so, Massachusetts guy, probably a big Patriots fan, you know, coming from that area. Around here, we don't like the Patriots, you know. Them's fighting words or something stupid. 
And he said, well, since in, in the stadium after my father in, in D.C., I'm sort of a Redskin fan. I'm like, the stadium's called RFK. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, other than that, I'm sure, yeah, you're, you're probably a big fan. But so many things happen on that show, and we can move on. YouTube is probably requiring topic alert, switch topics, topic alert. Is that how it works, Chuck? Well, no, hold on. Um, no, what I what I find so great about the show, and I've also heard Larry say that the show is basically him. It's it's inside his brain if he really had no social decorum whatsoever. So in real life, he thinks these things, but he obviously doesn't act out on all of them like he does for the show. But what I find so great about that show is everything he does, there's there's certainly a kernel to truth of truth to all of that. Like every little thing about, you know, maybe your neighbors, like, you know, your leaves go into their yard or vice versa or the garbage, all those little idiosyncrasies of life. Or like you said, parking, you're in a parking spot, you go there, somebody goes in line, they hold the door, then they go in front of you at the coffee shop. All of those things really happen to all of us all the time in our daily lives. And they're kind of tweeners. You're like, well, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to act in those situations? And he perfectly puts them all into this story and makes it hilarious. And the most recent one I saw, when he starts screaming at Siri, and he's like, listen, you fucking bitch, I don't want to go there. I do that. I scream. Anything that's voice communicated where it'll say like, why don't you enter your password? I don't know my password. And I just, I, Kim will find me screaming at my phone saying, assistant, human, person, I want to speak to somebody. Like, that happens to me. Three times mm-hmm. a week. And he just went nuts on that series. He's just screaming at Siri because they don't understand. I just want to talk to a freaking human being sometimes. Okay, so one of the episodes that I remember that I always think about, I don't remember exactly how it went down, but remember they're going into the bathroom and the handicap stall is open and the other stall isn't. So there's nobody waiting. So Larry jumps in the handicap, but then a guy comes behind him in a wheelchair but then part of the story was also like somebody had a stutter and and larry thought the person that had a stutter this episode is brought to you by shopify do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real pos you need shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory shopify pos has everything you need to sell in person Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Shouldn't get a handicapped parking spot. And then at the end of the episode, Larry pretended to have a stutter. But again, so I have two kids now. And, you know, you have to help them in the bathroom and all that. So you'll go into a bathroom and you try to always go to the handicap because it's the biggest one. You're helping your kid. And I'm telling you, every time I go into a bathroom, if I choose the handicap stall, if nobody's there, you know, you're trying to figure out. But I always think of that episode of Curb. Yeah, I think what it is, is we all have Larry David moments where awkward shit happens, where the person in the parking lot that you give them one of these, like they take your spot and you're like mad. And then you walk into Starbucks and they're standing in front of you <laughs> or like you need their help at a later. Like the person that you have some confrontation with always is that person later that you either are standing next to or you need their assistance or anyway, I love curb. We love Richard Lewis. I love the fact that he's buddies with C. I am now changing your name in my phone. From now on, you will be called C. 
But he wasn't in your phone, or he was a direct message buddy. No, and by the way, I, I I'm not trying to say, hey, he didn't get back to me. He wasn't on the show. Oh no, we didn't even know each other. It oh. was just a hail mary because he followed me on Twitter. And look, these guys are busy and all that, so it's all good. I have a bunch of those where somebody will give me a number. You know, the most famous person, honestly, probably in my phone is Tom, I guess. Is Tom Brady. Oh. No, but somebody gave it to me and they said it's 100 percent. It's like a, I think it's a Tampa number, but I'm never going to call unless I'm really hammered tonight and I'm out of TV <laughs> just having fun. But for the most part, you get a number. And if you try and get them on, like you said, you give it a hey, how are you? Da, 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 da. They usually they almost all respond once. Hey, thanks so much for reaching out. Great to hear. And meanwhile, they're going, how the fuck did they get my number? And then all of a sudden you're like, well, maybe I'll try one more time. And then you let it go. Okay. So this may be a good story about this. It happened yesterday and you started, I didn't tell people. So just so everybody knows. So I do the NASCAR YouTube with, with Kenny Wallace. I probably spend 85, 90% of my time on that. We have two YouTubes. We have a podcast platform. I do the Cardinal stuff. Uh, yeah, maybe 10% of the time. And then I'm starting this political news podcast, YouTube show with Eric Messersmith that we're doing once a week. So yesterday, Kenny is interviewing William Byron, who is the Daytona 500 champion from just a couple of weeks ago. And I always monitor these podcasts and whatnot. I have to edit them and all that. So William Byron is a big Legos guy. He's big into Legos. Like, I don't know if you saw the exchange, he and Dale Earnhardt Jr. putting together a four-foot titanic like the titanic ship i mean this takes days and days and days to do these legos so so kenny was like hey can you send charlie some some pictures of your legos and i figured you know because i had already sent him the email invite and kenny's like i'll i'll give charlie your cell phone number and look i'm always wary or weary of, of you know i don't like to use people's cell phone numbers especially these athletes you know if somebody at a radio station gets the number then they pass along to everybody but it's pretty funny. So I, I texted William Byron, who's a really nice guy. He's like 26. But I was like, yeah, you know, this is Charlie. You know, can I get those Lego pictures? And it was kind of funny because like later on at night last night, here's William Byron, this famous NASCAR driver. He just won the Daytona 500 two weeks ago. And he's sending me three pictures that he took with his own phone of his of his Lego set. And I can even see, you know, how you see the reflection. You can see him like trying to frame it up. So he can get the picture of the Titanic. I just found that funny that here's this superstar guy taking stupid Lego picks for me for our podcast. And then the worst would be if you had to, um, hey, William, could you retake those? Because they didn't format probably at that point. No, you said it's fine. Whatever it is. No, that's right. The Lego thing. Carson, my son, is 13. And he just did a, a Porsche car that's probably the size of a table. I didn't realize how it's gotten really advanced now. So the fact that way I didn't know that because I am not as inside NASCAR as Chuck is these days. I'm curious on so you doing the politics. Are you getting anybody who's who said stay away from that or Marla? I used to like you or because are you opining on politics or observing? Are have you gotten any negative feedback? Yes. Hey, real quick by the way on the on the Lego thing before I get to that. So my daughter is super into Legos. I just built her a Lego table that we bought the other day. But here's the problem with Legos these days with the kids. Back in the day when we got Legos, at least, you would have like a bucket of Legos, like a big tub. Now they're trophies. So my daughter, she's so excited. She gets a Lego set. She puts it together in one night, but then she wants it to display in her room as a trophy. She never plays with it again. Whereas like when we were kids, you'd get 
you know, a bunch of Lego sets. You just have that big bin and then you would kind of create new things. She needs a new Lego set every week because she, she builds it. She's done. And then she wants to move on to another one. All right. Okay. So the politics part. No, I'm just curious if you're getting anybody saying, I don't want to hear this from you. And although on your, on 590 in the mornings, you would get into politics there. So it's not new for you. Yes. And this is why, again, it's kind of boring to people, but this is why I created multiple YouTube channels because YouTube is all about your niche. So much so that I've even found like on my original channel, which I wanted to be all sports, it just turned into a channel that is all Cardinals baseball. I didn't even want it to be that, but like YouTube finds your audience for you. So I, I didn't want to have politics on the baseball channel. So we, we have this separate channel that actually used to be hockey, which is kind of funny, but we turned it into a political channel. But to answer your question, I, I basically advertised the political channel on my baseball channel a couple times. And I got a couple negative comments of people saying, Hey, you know, I don't want this. I didn't come here for politics and all that. So I stopped doing that. So basically we're starting this thing from, from scratch, but for the audience, because YouTube and podcast is all about your audience. So we have a, a YouTube channel that is 100% Cardinals baseball. We have obviously the Kenny stuff, which is 100% Kenny NASCAR and racing. And then we have this news and politics channel, which we're essentially just starting like two months ago, but we have to build it up and we have to kind of change our audience because we started with a subscriber base that was hockey fans. And now we're switching to politics, which is kind of funny, but we're starting, we're starting from scratch. And yeah, the thing is, is like, you know, this, I mean, people are passionate about sports, but people are real mean about politics. They're very hypocritical. And I love the comments and all that, but uh, people get angry. I always like to, I always like to think about this. And I look at the data though. If you post a video and you see how many views it gets, and then you see how many comments, you also realize that 99% of folks are just watching the video and they're just not commenting. So you'll get some positive comments, but I think, I think comment sections are definitely more negative, but it's easy to go and look at the comments and go, oh, these people hate me. But then you go, look, oh, that video got a thousand views, but there was only six comments, right? So, so 99% of the people just watched it and were okay and, and didn't comment at all. Well, and we give too much power to the folks who do yeah. comment. We look at that as sort of representative, and I want to give you an example of that, although I do have a funny concept in my head. Since your political channel used to be the hockey channel, I would like people to email you and say, hey, Chuck, who do you think is going to win the New Hampshire primary? Also, do you think the Blues will trade which name it? <laughs> and just like throw random hockey shit as well as politics. But the comment section, this is interesting because – a couple of weeks ago, I did an interview with Travis Ford. He's the SLU men's basketball coach, having a terrible year. And most people are wondering, is he going to get fired? That's sort of the topic that's out there. So I thought, I wonder, and I know him fairly well, and I haven't been around the team at all this year, bandwagon, front runner. And so I texted him and said, would you want to talk about everything that's being said? Do you want to address some of the noise and all those things that are out? And he said, I would love that. Thank you so much. Can you come tomorrow? So we do the interview. You know, I said, okay, what, I remember the line of questioning. I said, okay, what went wrong this year? Which is a bad question because it's very open-ended. So then that was like a two-minute answer. But then I said, in college basketball, you're the CEO, you're the GM, you pick the players, you know, you can't blame like the front office. It's your team. He said, 100%, 100% it's on me. Uh, at some point I said, 
do you think you'll do you wonder if you'll be fired have you heard the noise you know and so that night my wife said she was watching she said she was cringing she said because you asked him if he'd be fired and if he's so it made her uncomfortable and i said well he's a big boy he can handle it you know and i said you know shouldn't this program be more like marquette or xavier or creighton you know and be a tournament regular later he kept saying he had a plan and at the end i said what are you going to tell chris may or dr costello what's the plan anyway i think it was fair didn't badger him, beat him. but people uh and then somebody a couple of prominent boosters and alums text me say i really enjoyed that great interview happy to hear his answers whatever but then you go online, another puff piece, another softball, loaded with softballs, no tough questions. And I'm like, we asked him if he thought he was going to be fired. We asked him to, I said, assess your eight years versus just this year. The only one I regret is I should have followed up with, because he kept saying, we've done a lot of winning. We turned it around. I should have said, but have you won enough big games? Have you done enough A-10-wise you haven't won any 10 titles, should have been to more tournaments. You know, I, I could have followed up there. But for the most part, it covered all the all the important topics. But if you go to my Twitter account, all these slew folks are saying, terrible interview, didn't ask this, didn't ask that, or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? I didn't respond to any of it. Because you just you can't give it the power. That's the problem. Just don't respond. That's the easiest thing. Well, I watched that. I thought you did a great job. I'm not just saying that. And you did you did ask the questions you're supposed to ask. I mean, what else can you say besides do you think you're going to be fired? By the way, didn't he didn't he start to cry a little bit during yeah. the interview? During the answer uh, about I said, do you hear the noise? Are you concerned at all that you'll be fired? And I asked him too at one point. I said, have you heard anything from Chris May administration? But he started to cry thinking about all that had happened while he was here. His nephew died, of course, Ford Stewen, who was his assistant coach, but also his his daughter's son, you know, somebody he's extremely close to. And I think when he reflected on everything that's happened, he said, while we're here, a lot of things have happened, many good things, and some not so good. And he said, but the people have rallied around. I think that's genuine emotion. And here's the thing with a coach never sees sees it the way like the angry fan does, they think they're about to turn it around. You ask an NFL coach who's 2-10, and and everybody's going to say, oh, my God, this guy is so full of shit. And I was like, no, he really thinks he's got this figured out. He really thinks there's an answer coming down the road. You can't tell these people up. They wouldn't be successful or at a big position if they just thought, man, I got nothing. I got no answers. They really think they have answers. Uh, But, again, I think that – well, it's a whole other topic. We don't. Want, do you have a Billiken channel? Is this the, now? Are we? Are you switching us over? Uh, if you would, please check switch over to Chuck's Billiken channel for further discussion here. And then later tonight, we'll be on the Mizzou channel to talk about their disastrous SEC season. Okay. Anyway, so now, here's another interview story. Quick story. People are on YouTube. Got to got to hit the hole. I interviewed Kelly Chase the other day, former Blues player. Diagnosed with leukemia. He's now in remission. It was a 29-minute interview. I'll bet you I talked for 40 to 50 seconds total because it was one of those where you just get out of the way. He had really long stories, emotional, interesting. And every once in a while, I would just interject and say, did you feel sorry for yourself? Are you scared? They were like the shortest questions of it, and he just kept going. And people would say, oh, that was a great interview. And I said, I really just got out of the way. And there are times when you have to do that. 
Yeah, so we can kind of stick in the entertainment realm since we started with with Curb. I know I don't know if you still are a, a fan, but you know, back in the day, Bill Maher. I know I think it was several years ago. We both I think we both went to that show. I didn't see him the most recent time. He was in St. Louis. I'd be interested to get your take on this because now it's it's kind of funny. I don't feel like Bill Maher has changed, but the country has changed. And so he's now, you know, he used to be kind of the uh, the thought leader for the left or liberals. And now there's a lot of people on the right that are appreciating what he's saying. And I think in, in 2024, he's he's kind of in the, in the middle. And uh, I bring this up because you talked about interviews and all that and, and talking a lot or or not on an interview or a podcast. I don't know if you ever watch his podcast, Club Random, where he's basically in his like fun house, like he's got like a party house. And he's drinking and smoking weed while he does the podcast. And I've always been a fan of Bill Maher. My wife and I, we we don't watch as much just because we're busy, but we used to always watch Real Time on Fridays. And I'm telling you, Martin, he doesn't shut up. He never lets his guests speak. He railroads them. He interrupts them. Here's a guy who I've always liked the show. And I'm telling you, ever since he got a podcast, I like him less. Like, because... You and I have also done so many interviews and been interviewed. When I see somebody who's in the middle of a thought and they just get interrupted, it, it just bothers me. There's podcasts where I swear for 90 minutes, he talks 80% of the time. It's it's crazy. Have you have you seen his podcast at all? I have not watched. I've listened to a lot of Club Random. It, it depends on the guest. And if it's somebody I'm really interested in, I started the other day with him and Martin Short because I love Martin Short. But I, I know what you're talking about and what I've observed in that setting. Now, first of all, real time on Friday nights. I think it's the perfect show because they've like nailed the format. It's like PTI with Wilbon and Corners. They, they just got the right formula. It worked. You don't need to change it. It's kind of tightly produced. In, in that case, in Bill's case, it's the monologue, it's the guest, then it's the panel. But you interrupt the panel at some point because if it was just the panel, it's like watching. Fox, CNN, MSNBC, it's so boring to me. All these just, just sitting at the table yelling. They figured out, okay, now we'll interrupt it with like a comedy bit. Then we'll go back to the panel. We'll end with new rules. I just think the format is excellent. Uh, but on his podcast, what I noticed, I think he's either too high. I don't think he drinks a lot. But I, I don't think he like, the, the guest will say like, and that's when I joined the military. And then a minute later, he's like, now were you ever in the military? I'm like, I feel like he's so out of it maybe. He's having fun, drinking, smoking, whatever. But I that's what I've observed, less so. Now I'm going to start listening for the interruptions. But I feel like he's just, it, it, it is just conversation. But I think every once in a while, he doesn't, I think he's out of it. I don't know if he's high or he just, you can, you'll hear it. Like somebody will say like, well, that Sly Stallone is a guest. And, and that's when I made Rocky. Wait a minute, you were in Rocky? And it's like, he's genuinely surprised. Like, what? <laughs> But all of these things, to me, are examples of everybody says, media's changing, media's changing. It is. But one thing that hasn't changed, I mean, why do people listen to uh, any podcast for that matter? But, you know, why is Dan Levitard's show is popular? The Morning After is popular. All these shows that people listen, why? It's just people bantering. It's conversation. That hasn't changed. So everybody says, oh, it's... Media is dead. It's like, no, it's all still people in their car, listening on their earphone, earbuds or whatever. They're listening to conversation. It might be 
from the New York Times. It might be a comedian. It might be a politician or whatever. But that to me is it's that hasn't changed. People are still flipping the radio on or putting on an iPad because they, if as long as it's inter, entertaining banter, they're going to tune in. Yeah, that's that's what I love about YouTube and podcasts. Also, it's very motivating because you have a scoreboard. It's almost like the stock market, really. You can look at any second during the day and see how many views you're getting and thus how much money you'll make. And like you said, to me, it's it's the essence of it all is is storytelling. It's telling a great story. And so this kind of goes back to the the William Byron thing I, I mentioned earlier. William Byron of, of NASCAR. Charlie's friends with the Daytona 500 winner. I get it. Okay, see? No, but what I'm saying, though, is like, Here's a guy who's a young, good-looking kid. He's one of the best drivers in NASCAR. He just won the Daytona 500. I already, and I knew this, this video, this podcast is not going to do that well. And it's just because it's nothing no, anyone did wrong, right? He's just kind of a guy. He's not super controversial. He's not going to say something real spicy. And I always find that interesting. It could be somebody who doesn't have the big name but they're interesting and they tell compelling stories. And I always find that fascinating how you could have a big name person, but that video doesn't perform, but you could have Joe blow from Kokomo. But if they have a really good story, you see that. And, and people, when you have a good story on YouTube or podcast, people like it, they subscribe off it, they comment. And that's that whole algorithm thing. It's just, and and now we kind of know, like, you know, you've been in this game a long time. You know, when you get a good soundbite and when I hear a soundbite, I'm like, that's something that if you, if you package it the right way is super interesting, regardless if the person is famous or not. But there are some people who are really famous, but they do a podcast for an hour and they really don't say that much. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's what I find interesting about, about this game. And I'm telling you, it's a, it's addicting because I look at my analytics every day, probably a hundred times. And when you see that that views climbing like a mountain, meaning every minute, every hour, more people are watching, it, it gets to be kind of addicting. Well, and it's fun when people say, I couldn't get out of the car if it was a radio interview or the Kelly Chase interview, I put it on the podcast as well. And people said, oh my God, I listened to the whole thing, which 29 minutes, like, wow, that's the greatest compliment. We should have next week, let's get Joe Blow from Kokomo on. You probably been texting with him late at night get him on the show great sound bites charlie what is the key to a great sound bite it's if if they say my name in the sound bite charlie's theory working at fox 2 right i would always pick out the clip where the guest the coach or the player would say yeah you know what martin i was i was just thinking about that the other day. you know what martin that's a great question it wasn't true it was not true but I, you believed it was true that every clip where they would say my name, I would include on the show, which may have been true. Yes. And uh, the other thing that always happens, it would always happen to me. You'd go, you'd go get your interviews, Cardinals, Blues, whatever. And you'd be like, oh, dude, I got this great sound, but it's, it's so good. And then you go back and it's only like seven seconds. <laughs> you like, tell, but can, and you tell the producer, oh, use this bite at five. This, this is the best. Oh, my God. This is going to be And then Dave drove it. Dude, it's five seconds. What else do you want to use? And you're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, Chuck, it's great to be here on Martin Marlowe, Midday Grind, whatever, just catching up. Let's just uh, let's just stay in touch, buddy. It's been too long. And this is the world. We, this is starting to take me back to the pandemic. Now. Sitting in our little office here, zooming away. God, I can't even remember how. 
think about those those TV days. You were still at Fox too. We probably had as many viewers as we'll ever have in our life because everybody was stuck at home. And we had the least content and the least advertisers ever. Nobody was spending money. Nobody was playing a game. And everybody was tuning in. I remember doing a piece. It was with Larry Hughes. And we Zoomed and just talked NBA because it was during that Michael Jordan craze. Oh, yeah. And we, and we did a three-minute piece that night with Larry Hughes telling stories because he played with LeBron. He played with Michael. He's the perfect. And it was better. Michael or LeBron. We'll talk about it. When we come back, we decide once and for all. He's the perfect guy to talk about it, which, by the way, he always leans towards Michael. But we ran the piece that night, and I got a bunch of texts from just friends of mine. And then Jim Edmonds is like, wow, awesome piece. I'm like, even a guy with millions of dollars is just stuck in his house, can't go anywhere, forced to watch. But I'm having flashbacks sitting here doing the uh, – but this is the way of the world. I guess everybody's kind of sitting in on a – what are we, on stream yard? Wait, is this streaming, Charlie, into your yard? Or are we on? It's called StreamYard. You're telling me. How about Spags? What's he got? Uh, four four Super Bowl rings. Hey, because you know the pandemic did change everything with Zoom and StreamYard, and I I never even knew of any of this technology. But what I what I you know I, I tried to steal a couple bases. If you if you may remember, is once once during the pandemic, you could do all these Zooms, right? So like back in the day, we'd go to a high school. Hey, I'm gonna go to Hazelwood Central and do a story on the football team. And then for, for COVID, you just Zoomed. And then I'm like, well, if I don't have to drive to Hazelwood, I could just Zoom. So this is post-pandemic. It's over. You can definitely go to the field or you can go to the basketball gym. But it's like, hey, I could just Zoom with the coach from my house in my underwear. I don't have to leave, uh, you know, get in the car. Let's just say Charlie was all about convenience. I would say, hey, tomorrow we really need to get out to a high school basketball team. It's been a while. We really need to find a local kid doing uh, you know, North Glendale has got some good dude. They're in fifth grade. Yeah, but it's right by my house. Might be able to do a little feature piece there. All about convenience. Like even right now, I'm looking at your setup, your background. No pretense. You know how everybody has the bookshelf with all their awards or the yeah. books that they've written. Everybody, and I'm looking. I'm saying this is Chuck here. He's no pretense, or is it no effort? That's one of the, both. No awards. I, I have. Yeah, we have an office, but like I don't want to create the whole backdrop. And I think when you have a guest on and it's this people that are watching right now, like you can't really see a lot of of uh behind you there. But no, as you said at the end there, so I live now in in Glendale and I would drive to Fox 2 up Lindbergh, and anytime there was a high school story, I would usually try to make sure that was one of those high schools like Chaminade, Burroughs, one of those schools that falls along Lindbergh along along the drive up to Fox 2. Charlie, can we get away from some of these expensive prep boys' schools? I tell you what, then I'm going to have to veer off Lindbergh. Maybe I go a little further north. I could get to Rittner. That's 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 the boundary there. But great to be here, Chuck. Thanks for having me on the Streamyard. Will I be? On, is this going to be in the Kenny Wallace uh, umbrella of segments? You don't know where to put so, this, do you? That's that's the thing. I think. Look. My podcast is not monetized yet. We're trying to build it up. So I think we put this. I don't want to put the really political stuff on the Kenny um, media podcast because I just think it's it's not a good fit. But I think this is more just random. So I think we put this on the Kenny Wallace Media Podcast Network. I think okay. we start this on the news and politics YouTube and we see how it how it does. I can also put it on the Cardinals YouTube 
uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll kind of, whichever you, works. You're, you're turning into like a baseball freaking nerd. Analytics, studying the numbers. and We'll take a couple of pitches before we actually hit the hole here. All right, buddy. Great talk. Great to be, That's what my say with Dan McLaughlin is. Now he's mad because I just said great talk. I can't say that. That's a copyright infringement. This was a really good talk. Good talk. I'll take it.